A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hi, everybody. Just gone four. Uh, no uh, Paul Hawksby today and no Andy Jacobs. But apart from that, the show is pretty much exactly the same. Charlie Baker and Max Rushton with you for this pod. Same as it ever was. Exactly. Uh, what's coming up on the pod? I've forgotten, even though we agreed mm. it about 10 seconds yes, ago. Yes, 10 seconds ago. Uh, all our ch- chatty bits. Yeah. Autobiography Wars, Max. Oh, yeah, That's that was in. good. I really, good was fun. idea. Really good. Uh, Who else is in? Uh, Richard Madley, who's an international auctioneer and like m- merch, memorabilia sort of guy, telling us that programmes for matches that weren't played, are worth an awful lot of money. That was interesting. I didn't know that, and I learned it. I didn't know that would be a thing. And also, we'll be speaking to Gary Bloom. Yeah, sports psychotherapist. psychotherapist About sort of, not bullying in the workplace, but it got round to that. Is that what, because you're accusing me of that again? I was pointing... the last dance of Michael Jordan. About that, mainly about that. what it takes to be an elite sports person. What does it take? And don't ask me, which I did surprisingly well at. Here is the podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Charlie. Good afternoon, Max. How are you? All right. <clears throat> yeah, really good. And that story of cheating, I mean, it really is it's the biggest story uh, around at the moment. Huge it's the only one. Story. Really, it's just, it's the only story in town at the moment, isn't it? Uh, of of somebody, uh, you know, somebody driving. It's a driving-based, cheating-based <laughs> driving story, story, isn't it? Somebody exactly. doing something that they really shouldn't have done. Um, and Trying to pull the wool over exactly. people's eyes. Exactly. And that, of course, is the Audi Formula E driver, Daniel Apt, isn't he? Uh, he he's is. trending, obviously, everywhere. He's going to do a public speech later, is Daniel. Uh, take questions from the public who are so furious with him. Uh, he's been found guilty... Charlie, of using a ringer to drive for him yeah. in the Formula E eSport Championship. It's been disqualified from the race and fined €10,000. This was for charity as well. It's for UNICEF. <laughs> so, And he had terrible form going in, and then he suddenly got on the on pole mm-hmm. and came second or yes, third he'd or yet something. to score a point in the first four rounds of the series. And immediately afterwards, uh, a former F1 driver, Stoffel Van Dorn, raised his suspicions. Quote, really not happy here because that was not Daniel driving the car himself and he messed up everything. That was ridiculous. I'm questioning if it really was Daniel in the car. And he turned his webcam off for, mm-hmm. for, for the actual race. That's a good text topic. When have you turned your <laughs> webcam off? <laughs> he turned the webcam off and yeah. he'd turned it off for the press conference afterwards mm-hmm. and he basically got someone to come in and sit there and race for him. What? Has he got like a 14-year-old son or something <laughs> who's better at computer games than him? So listen... When have you cheated yeah. uh, on the sports field or when have you been cheated? It's very simple. Um, we've all, at some point, uh, bent the rules on the sports field. Have you, Max? I'm trying to think. I mean, I have. I, I, look, I would say I'm an I'm a 
a clever centre forward, and I will nudge at the right time, oh, okay. push at the right time. Okay. So, I mean, is that part? Is that within the? That is within the rules that's of the game. The that's not cheating, though. It's is not it? cheating. No. Okay, I wouldn't cheat at golf. I don't think I've ever no. cheated, Max. At anything? Nothing. No. I don't like. I don't like it. I know inside me, I've done it, mm-hmm. and so I know I haven't won properly. You've never cheated at anything? I, at any sport, I don't think I've ever cheated at Have you at ever cheated sports. at anything in oh, your yeah, life? Of course. Okay, what have you, <laughs> what, what have you cheated All the at? major food groups. Okay. All the, yeah. all the major ones okay. you can cheat what about, at. You know. What about in love? In love? Oh, no, never. No? Eat well. <laughs> Not in love. <laughs> okay, right, okay. In, in you know... In uh, low level. Right, low level. When, you, when you're in the conference of love. You yeah. know, not, we're not top Premier League is Max, marriage. We've all got a past. We've all got a past. You know, and we're and I'm some find... kind of a guy. Yeah, some okay. kind of a player. Is this your public speech? Are you taking... Are you taking calls on this? Are I you going to take, take questions from the public? I don't think I need to. I've been I've been upfront about it. Mm-hmm. I've said it happened, you know. That's true. And I've taken it on the chin. Yeah. I mean, I know we're not taught, you know, there, there are lots of, I suspect every other radio station, TV channel will take, uh, you know, Dominic Cummings doing his speech. We're not doing that, live. No, we're not going to take we're it. We're playing autobiography but, but, wars. We are, but, but he is writing that speech right now. Yeah. God, that would be stressful one, wouldn't it? Do you think? Do you just write it and go, I, yeah. I just need to write that one again. Do you think he's going back from great sporting speeches? A bit of Keegan mm. in there? Do you think it'll be a bit? I would love it. Well, I've just watched that the last dance, yeah. and I like that Michael Jordan. I'm back. <laughs> that was his <laughs> press release. Do you think that's going to be it when he stopped playing baseball? <laughs> when he stopped playing baseball and came back to basketball, and he just went, "I'm back." What if? Uh, what if he comes out? Uh, what um, if he comes out? That'd yeah. be amazing. <laughs> if Dominic <laughs> Cummings comes out right, this right. afternoon, that would really well, it would change the news change agenda. the narrative. No, I was wondering if he'll come out of his front door and he'll get everyone to be in front of all the hordes of fedoras, and he'll say. When the seagulls... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will be like that. Do you reckon it'll be a I seagulls bet, yeah. trawler-based speech? Do you think they'll anyway. give it to Sam Allardyce till the end of the season? Well, I don't care. <laughs> Why not? It'd be a job, wouldn't it? But the trouble is, would Big Sam's style of government, what would that be like? People would complain yeah. about the style, and Two then Sam one. would say he'd only want it till the end of the season, and then yeah. he'd try and get it, you know. And, and then, then he'd get say... Results. He'd see the coronavirus off. Yeah. And, and then, then he'd claim if, 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 he was a, if he was called Samuel Allardyce... <laughs> Then of course he'd get it for the next twenty years, exactly, wouldn't you know, he? Be, be absolutely. Can't. So, right so, so, um, yes. When have you cheated, or when have you been cheated? Eight, ten, eighty-nine. Sport based. Sport based, please. Yeah, we'll keep the politics for everyone else. We would like sport based. When you've cheated or been cheated, and uh, mattresses, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Bringing your home life. Um, yeah, why not? A bit of personal right into the studio. Bit of personal news. Yeah. Um, getting a new mattress tomorrow. My wife and I. First time in fifteen years we're getting a new mattress. Just oh. wondering. If anyone's got an older mattress than that, and how much older, and how much, I wonder how, well, how old the oldest mattress. So it doesn't feel like a great radio subject. Now we're talking about it on air. If well, I'm honest. well, now you've thought about it. The old. Well, I mean, I listen. It's just it's more a fact finding mission. Yeah, we're not this. This bit is not the yeah. uh, the sort of radio gold bit of the show. This is just a bit of admin. Yeah. I'm regretting bringing the... it up on air. If I'm honest, I yeah a bit yeah. And also, mm-hmm. can I apologise to the producer? I did have a script. Sean from Broxbourne says, after failing my driving test three times, I gave my mate a fiver back in oh. 1976 to take it for me and passed and got my licence. Wow, that is, is outrageous. This is awesome. That this is, is 40, absolutely... 44 years ago. That's terrible behaviour. Sean. That's excellent, Do you think he Sean. should be? Do, he should. He should speak to the public later, do you think, Sean? No, I think Sean's... He's fessed up. It's an amnesty. Oh, is it? We have... 
forgiven Sean there. Mm -hmm. Well done, Sean. Congratulations. Okay. okay, there we are. So yes, the oldest. I'm interested to know the oldest mattress in the UK. Do you want to have a? Do you want to have a wager? What do you reckon? Ooh, do you reckon, reckon we'll find a 40 year old mattress? Oh, I reckon easily. Easily 40 years easily. old. Easily. Easily. Okay. Um, if you could just please let us know. Because if we think about it, unless there is someone here who is on a, has been on a futon, right? Oh, I yeah. would I would wager that ninety five percent of our audience have a mattress, if not higher, right? <laughs> what do you reckon? What this do you is, reckon? This is not how no, I no, thought the no, show no, no, was no. going to start. That's back. okay. That's We've okay. We've had several WhatsApp conversations about the the show, trying to really get it going, be entertaining, informative about sport, do some serious stuff. Mm. We're on. Do you think anyone's got a 40-year-old mattress? You you came up with a subject. I'm I just didn't trying come to... up with it. I just bought it up and you said, let's talk about... And now but, it's on air and it feels terrible. It's okay, but... It does but, feel terrible. I, but, but what you want with a text topic, you want one yeah. that's quite niche, right, but you get some really good ones, but okay. one that the yeah. whole audience can take yeah. part in. This is every and man, on a day like today, when there's no big news around... Mm. What you can do is just go upstairs and find out how old your mattress is. How old, how old is it? How old? Because a lot of this, you know, if you listen to any podcast or anything at the moment, everyone's trying to sell you a mattress. Max. They are. So yeah. it must be a huge market. Yeah. We could actually buy, buy, what we could do here, Charlie, <laughs> by, by reminding people how old their mattress is, we could stimulate yes. the economy. Sponsored by it, one it, of the it, new... Absolutely. We could yes. get a sponsor. We could stimulate the economy. While everyone idea. else is worried about, you know, the tittle-tattle that's happening in the world, we are focusing. Yeah. Please, I'd like to find the oldest mattress. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. This is uh, Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Trust and Charlie Baker uh, with you until four. Um... About an hour ago, we interviewed uh, Paul Lambert, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> we, yep. we went into great detail about we, the art. We of, went in <laughs> the art of co-commentary, yeah, and uh, you know how difficult it would have to be. You know, there's Paul Lambert, especially for the television. How, how difficult the job was for mm -hmm. the television. Yeah, how he'll be in a different room to his co-commentator. Co yeah, and he took it all on the chin, didn't he? And uh, turns out he's not doing the co-coms. What's he? He's very polite to answer no. all the questions. Maybe that's how he thought they got booked. And he was just thinking, wow, I've got to really do some, I've got to do some research on this. It was like the oh, guy right. who turned up. <laughs> the taxi um, driver. Taxi driver. <laughs> it was Guy Goma. Guy Goma, wasn't it? He's turned up. What do you think uh, as the, as the, the Apple expert, wasn't it? The, <laughs> it was the, it was the, gro the growth of online purchasing. I'm not sure. Guy. We didn't ask him about his mattress. We could have asked Paul Lambert about his why mattress. Don't, why don't we get Paul Lambert on every week and just explain mm. things that he's going to have to do the next day? And then just uh, see how polite he is about it. So apologies for confusing, Paul. Sorry about that. Um, um, and Kevin apologies to uh, Owen Hargreaves as well, oh. who, who we did out of a gig. Owen Hargreaves is on CoComs tomorrow with Paul oh, very Dempsey. Good. Very good. He'll, yeah, right. he'll have good, right. he'll have good he Wi-Fi, really won't he, Owen? Well, you'd hope so, wouldn't Genius. you? I, uh, Kevin in Devon just, just really, really got on board the mattress train this yeah, afternoon. So much. He's come so. in with... with with links to the scam and all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And he's also got this one, the mattress coach trip in Costa Blanca, Spain. Yes. It's been running for years. You get a free coach tour for the day, right. but you have to agree to stop and go through a presentation <laughs> at a mattress factory <laughs> <laughs> where they try and sell you the £2,000 mattress. I mean, mm. you, you better hope they deliver, otherwise the coach is going to be... I mean, the coach trip? Where, where does the coach trip go after the mattress factory? <laughs> Would you get your... I mean... I don't know. Would you get when you get your list of you know the itinerary and it says you know this old church and this lovely park and yeah. this beach, and they just sort of subtly throw in a, a mattress. Like Wonder if they do that, that bit in the afternoon, the the siesta part. <laughs> free, then it'd be make up for it, wouldn't it? Be free time, good. free time. How, 
£2,000. What's your mattress setting you back, Charlie? Mm, I don't know. I think, I think we've gone for quite a good one, Max. Oh, really? Yeah, Higher or lower? Because, no, what's, what's the... Um, I don't know. My, my wife sorted it out. So. Oh, really? <laughs> um... They always say Sounds buy like good, doing all right, good shoes, Max. Yeah, good shoes, yeah. And a good mattress, because if you're not in one, you're in the other. Okay, right. I'm so glad I didn't grow up in the West Country. <laughs> Why? <laughs> People doing Why? old sayings uh, to me all the time. They're, they're pleased you didn't grow up there as well. <laughs> Do you... Uh, you're all yearning for live sport to return, oh, aren't yeah. we? Any, any sort of live sport. Yeah. Um, how about... Uh, um, did you like sheepdog trials in general? Yeah. Mm, come by, come by. Hey, hey. Yeah, okay. yeah, I like it, yeah. I didn't ask necessarily. I just wanted to know if you liked it. Didn't ask yeah, I was just showing you that okay. I had the required enthusiasm <laughs> that I could do an impression of it. Anyway, what about robotic uh, sheepdog trials? Oh, yeah. So robot trials. Are the, are the sheep robotic or, the, or is the dog? The sheep are or real. Or the farmer. The sheep are real. The farmer is real. The dog is a robot. A robot called Spot herds a flock across fields. This is uh, from the start today. Just like a real sheepdog in a trial yeah. to show the uses of technology in farming. Uh, the machine designed by Boston Dynamics uh, in the US for search and rescue missions has been repurposed by a tech firm in New Zealand who clearly don't want people to be found in disasters. <laughs> they just want them to move sheep about. It's clearly more important. David Ings of Rokos said, what's really interesting is domestic dogs really don't like spot at all. But the no. farm dogs didn't react. I bet they don't like they're doing I bet they don't like the robot. They're doing them out of a job. Mm, but a lot of, it, a lot yeah. of sheepdogs going, oh, who's this now? The march of time. <laughs> like, like I don't a, trust AI. Like <laughs> someone on a till seeing seeing the the bag packing self service. Self service. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, well automation is a big issue, but also yeah. you know, it, it it could be a really bad Robocop, couldn't it? Robocop yeah. four. Is it on wheels? What's it on there? Yeah, it's got little legs. It's like a dog. Is it? They've made it look like a dog, have they? I mean... I don't see the point in this. Dogs are readily available. (laughs) If anything, there are too many dogs. Okay. And you can get as many dogs as you want to get. A farmer needs a dog. Yeah. This is a pointless bit of... This is a pointless invention. This is just... What is the point of the invention? This is reportage from me. What is the point of the invention? I don't have that information. I just know that a robotic dog is moving sheep around. We could put it on TV. We could make some money. We could get out of here. We could start our lives for real, Charlie. (laughs) I don't... I, I don't like him. Okay, Just do get want, a real dog. Do you want to know what David Beckham's up to at the moment? Is he farm? He likes a fa- he, he looks <laughs> like a farmer, doesn't he? He's got a robotic. He's investing in robotic dogs. Yeah. No. Um. Uh, this is again from the Daily Star. Oh yeah. yeah that's really, they seem to do have you missed. Not read any other. Do you have that delivered, no, 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 do you, Max? They, they, missed, they seem to have to... missed a couple of big stories of the day. I'll be honest. <laughs> um. Uh, balding David Beckham is reportedly trying to save his locks. Oh yeah. By using a miracle hair thickening spray. Yeah. Golden balls. I mean, oh, come I thought on. he'd added. It, I thought he'd had it weaved in. He's had a, a reweave, did he? I thought. Well, I don't know if he did or not, Max. I don't want to get sued, but I, th- I thought that was one of the things. <laughs> imagine if that's you're what saying you got sued for. You're I mean, saying that that's what happened. <laughs> imagine you know, all the things yeah. you broadcast for so long, for so yeah, many hours, and we discuss some really <laughs> controversial subjects. Take and it the off one air. thing you get taken to court for is reading out a story about David Beckham thickening his hair with yeah. a spray. I think he's above that. I don't think. He, I think he'd, he'd let this be like water for ducks back. It's thinning, is it? Is it? Is well, it apparently thin? so. And he's using. I mean, I'm I'm getting a bit thinner. I get very grey. I've, I've sort of yeah. the time has gone for me to diet. Everyone would notice. Anyway, it's called. Do you know what I have trouble with? Main hair thickening spray and root concealer. Fourteen ninety five a can. I just think. I reckon spraying, he can. I reckon he can stand that. 
You reckon you can cover that? Cover that, I reckon. All right. Two, I reckon you can get. I think spraying your head. Does anybody? 8189. Yeah, he let us know. Anyone who sprayed their hair thicker? Don't I have a trouble with them wearing an untucked shirt, Max? What, do you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, what, do to any, do. I don't know any, what to do about any it. Any solutions to that? I don't know. I don't know where what is, to do about it. Where's Chris Riccobono? Where's Chris Riccobono? He's gone. He's gone, isn't he? Just... Rumours started swirling over Bex Barnett. Did they really? After he was spotted without his usual cap or hat, looking a little thin on top. But yeah. just days later, as if by miracle, the former England captain was spotted sporting an impressively thick, luxurious thatch. Well, you want to speak to, you know, you speak to Goffey and you speak to a lot of the cricket players, they go to that place and yeah. they have their head sort of woven in. I don't know how it works. What is it, like a stapler or something, is it, Max? I mean, I don't, once again, I'm not here for the details. I'm how does it work? Just here for the headline. The old weaving who in. Got, who got, um, I think, a hair transport, you know, because people have them in the, in the close season, don't they? So maybe after yeah. this. Obviously, getting your hair cut on Instagramming, it's not recommended. But if you could socially distance a hair rethatching, it's not easy. <laughs> you need a robotic it. hairdresser to do it. Now, that uh, would be useful, wouldn't it? And now, now you see, now we're into okay, it. A robotic see? hairdresser. There we go. That's an idea, isn't it, right now? That would be good. Well, we'd see, have to really, we'd have to get that. on it very, very quickly. because um, My wife did mine with, um, with a, a trimmer. Let's okay. just call it that. Okay. How'd it go? Not too bad. Barry, too brought, bad. Barry brought in his uh, uh, clippers, hair clippers. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, for some reason, I'm not sure in? why. But when you when he turned them on, to the oh. listener, it sounded like something else. Yeah, and also, he <laughs> sat in this seat, yeah. spraying his hair I was everywhere. once in, uh, when I got my six-pack in 2011. Oh, yeah. How did that and, go? Uh, How did you do that? Was that for a magazine, was it? It was for a magazine, yeah. It was a terrible time in my what life. What was the main exercise you did for you to get a <sighs> six-pack? anything you like to eat with one cashew nut. That was essentially it. To don't anyway, eat. Just starve yourself, you'll get yeah. one eventually. Anyway, I went to a gym called Muscle Works. Oh, yeah. And I was sort of quite a... A beefcakey type gym. It's not your virgin active. It's not your fitness first. You okay. know, it's not spin classes here. It's oh. lifting up heavy bits of metal. Okay. And there were two signs. I've talked about this before, but okay. uh, two signs that were put on the uh, walls. One was, "Please do not spit out of the windows." <laughs> right. Oh. And you, there's only a sign there if people are doing these things. Yeah. The other was, "Please don't shave." Am I allowed to say that here, Max? You pull me up. I say scientific words for. The nether regions, okay. all the time. Okay, you're so, okay. I've been so I'm allowed to say it once. Apologies to everybody, but you know, lots of people will be making apologies today, and I'm making one in advance. Is a it, sign you, on a gym saying, "Do not shave your pubic hair in the shower." Oh, it was pubic hair. How is that? That means that somebody's doing that. Surely, somebody who can afford to go to a gym, yeah, has a bathroom. And if you have a choice <laughs> of doing it in a public gym or in a bathroom, do it in your own bathroom. Yeah, I just let mine grow. Don't about you? But the old, the old. Pubic hair. Now we've been told we can say it. Only we, say we, it once each. And oh, that's once it. each. That's, no one else that say it. Gone now. Remember, Paul and Andy would not stand for this. They wouldn't. Iman, they would. Imagine, it up, Max. imagine Jacob's face. I have not bought this. I had up. one story that I wouldn't dare read out to you on air because you would take it. Never. Incredibly. You, you go blue me. straight away. Like you you go full me. chubby brown on that one. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. All uh, right. Interesting story in the mail by uh, Toby Warns. Uh, says all the big sporting and music festivals may be cancelled this summer, but not before a host of collectible memorabilia was produced to celebrate them. And shrewd investors are now snapping up some of this merchandise as experts believe it may rise in value. And it's gone through some of the things, you know, the Euro 2020 merchandise, oh, yeah. and the Glastonbury tickets. Uh, uh, Wimbledon, um, yes, Wimbledon things, the Olympic merchandise yeah. as well. Uh, a, a UEFA hoodie, 
£41 it costs you for the UEFA 2020 hoodie, a cap eight fifty. All sorts of things. Let's talk to Richard Madley, international auctioneer, a former IPL auctioneer as well. Richard, how are you? I'm very good indeed, thank you. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, is, this, is this just uh, filling up a page because we're all desperate to fill up a page, or is there actually some truth in this, that, that some of this merchandise could be even more valuable than ones for sporting events that actually happened? I think it's it's a it's a good story and it's an interesting uh, angle, um, but in the world of uh, sporting memorabilia, the, the rarities uh, tend to be for um, games, uh, matches that have been postponed for various reasons, mm. uh, and it tends to be football programmes, especially uh, where the market lies. And this is for games that get postponed because the pitch was waterlogged, because there were a big freeze, because the police were needed uh, to be elsewhere and couldn't control the crowds. And, uh, and that's where the rarities uh, are created in sporting memorabilia, and that's where the money lies. Uh, and generally, sports fans uh, support their team. That sounds very, you know, very simplistic. They support their club. Football supporters and collectors support their club. They don't really support uh, and, and buy memorabilia that relates to either England, Wales, Scotland or Ireland. You know, they're much keener to buy Man United, West Ham memorabilia than, than, their, than their, their country. So I'm a little bit uh, sceptical about, uh, about this, uh, this article, and I wouldn't want anybody to go out and uh, invest in, uh, you know, in 20 hoodies that say uh, you know, Euro 2020, uh, and next year all their mates saying, well, you know, it's 2021 now. <laughs> yeah. well, so, so that's really interesting that, that a, a, a game, would a programme from a game that was postponed be more valuable than a programme from a game that actually happened? That seems very counterintuitive to me. Oh. Absolutely, yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, for games that were you know, that, that were um, uh, postponed for for various reasons, uh, and um, uh, for example, um, in um, in for West Ham United, Man United, uh, nineteen eighty six. I mean, not not, not uh, the big freeze of eighty six. Uh, and um, the the programs were the, the game was postponed, and the programs were all destroyed. Mm. Oh yeah, guess what? Yeah, a few of them slipped out, um, and uh, they've appeared on the market. And that particular program has made up to five hundred pounds yes. uh, on the auction market. So yeah, you know, the, you know, the rarity was that, 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 that there might have been twenty thousand printed. But only a handful survived. So um, yeah, it's it is about it's about rarity, but it's also about the passion of the West Ham United uh, program collector bidding against a Man United program collector. And that's what I'm saying about right. sports collectors mm. in football. It's all about their team. Uh, in rugby, actually, it's all about their country. Uh, nobody really cares about Bath rugby uh, programs from the 1950s, but they want England, rugby, uh, England, Wales, or Scotland and Ireland uh, international programs from that period. Yeah, there's a lot of signed shirts go about, but I think it's, it's match worn that you've got to look for, isn't it? If you want the value. Uh, yeah, 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 indeed. I mean, a, a, a genuine, yeah, match worn. You know, blood stained, sweat stained. Mm. You know, a a, a, a a jersey that tells a story, or or a jersey played in a historic game, uh, and then you know, for, I mean, I suppose ultimately the most iconic being the '66 World Cup uh, jersey 
uh, I mean, you know, you know there were only you know, eleven uh, produced yeah. for that for that game. Yeah, that, that, those are the iconic pieces of sports memorabilia. And I, you know, I've been buying and selling this stuff for forty years now. And, uh, and I stand up at dinner, you know, uh, after you know, people have had a lot of drinks, and um, and ask you know, for for a hundred pounds for a for a shirt that ends up making fifteen hundred pounds. And I and I rush out out the back door, hoping the buyer doesn't come to me afterwards to ask if that was a good investment. Yeah, uh, the taxi's oh. running. When um. <laughs> A few years ago, I, I threw away uh, boxes and boxes of old Cambridge United programmes oh, from Max. the late 80s and 90s. I don't know, I was just like, I don't oh, need these Max. anymore. Have I ruined my retirement fund there, uh, Richard? <laughs> would you say, the even though it was a very successful time and some were signed by Andy Fensum, that, <laughs> yeah. that I, I probably haven't thrown away a fortune there? Mate, no, uh, no, I think you're, you're, you're safe there. Funny enough, I, I sat next to, uh, to John Inverdale at... Um, uh, we were doing a charity dinner in Cardiff a few, a few a couple of years ago, and uh, he has kept every sporting program from every sporting event on which he has commentated. Yeah, you know, he's done he's done the boat race, he's done he's done a rugby, he's done uh, tennis, sure. he's done golf, and his garage is full of it. And he goes, "What am I going to do with it?" Yeah. What, what do you reckon? What do you reckon Inverdale's garage is worth, Richard? I mean, do you know what? Great, I, I, what a great, great new TV format we've come up with here. <laughs> John Inverdale's garage. We could start. We could start high and go. We have a, a, a Dutch auction here. We'll go down. If someone wants five hundred, get four. Then oh sure, three hundred. Surely fifty pound. I'm bid now. And this is fifty. This is for his a life's collection. But, yeah. you know, it, it's random yeah. but it's for it? you isn't it it's it, the, the, the buying of a programme the buying of a shirt you saw your favourite player play and it doesn't matter a lot of the time does it because it's it's your memory that it, exactly. it spikes yeah yeah d- uh, yeah definitely you know I, I, you know, I wrote an article for the Times last year about, yeah, about, about as a young as a young autograph collector you know and my, you know, my hero was uh, was Ken Barrington you know mm. who played for for Surrey in England, but you know, I was watching Glamorgan in there. Then Surrey came; they came and played at Glamorgan, and they and, and I got Ken Barrington's autograph. Goodness. And you know, that was it. That, I was a complete. I was all. I was made up. I was eleven years of age, and I had my hero's autograph. And uh, yeah, it's what it means to you. You're absolutely right. What's the What's the Holy Grail, Richard? What, at the moment, what's the What's the big? I mean, with, with something like this, uh, the Last Dance documentary, with the, some Chicago Bulls stuff suddenly become a, worth a lot more. Uh, what's the current holy grail for a sports question. fan? Uh, well, I mean, in, in, in football programmes, um, yeah, the, the, the holy grail is, um, is the Man United uh, Wolves programme, 1958, which was uh, printed uh, for the game you know, two days after the, uh, oh, after the Munich air disaster. And that programme was destroyed. Um, but... You know, there was somebody who worked in the uh, in the in the uh, printing press that that printed the Man United programs in those days, who had to take a couple of home, home to check them for for, for quality, uh, and uh, a couple of years ago, you know, they they, they turned up on the market. So they're, they're, that's that's between seven and ten thousand pounds per, yes. per wow. program. So. That, that, that's about it in the, in, in, in the world of football. But, um, you know, we talk about rarities. You know, golf, there's a lot of money in golf. And a friend of mine, is a, he's an auctioneer of sports memorabilia. And uh, he got hold of 
the very rare 2001 uh, Ryder Cup programme. And do you remember the 2001 Ryder Cup was cancelled? Of course, yeah. Because of 9-11, yeah. You know, right. And uh, so the, but, but the programme was printed and um, never distributed. And he had it in his auction last year and he gave it a beautiful write-up, you know, nice, nice colour photograph and told how rare it was. And guess what he sold it for? It made... Ten pounds. Wow. Alan Bath says, I've got a Liverpool... You better get away quickly, Richard, otherwise this will be the whole show. I've got a Liverpool 76-77 pendant signed by the whole team. Worth anything? Yeah, yeah, of course it's that that, that seventy six, seventy seven. Yeah, I mean, you know, a great, great era. I mean, worth something. Of of course. I mean, you know, this is, this is a terrible thing to say about um, about sportsmen in general. But uh, if they're still alive, remember they can still sign memorabilia. Mm. Uh, as players uh, pass away, that their autograph becomes uh, rarer. But um, yeah, but uh, that, that, I mean, it's a slightly somber thought. But. Mm. Uh, yeah, hang on. Pass it on to the kids and be even worth more than... Oh, perfect. Yeah. Listen, thanks so much for your time. It's great. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Richard. Pleasure. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Uh, here's a text uh, just yeah. before we play okay. autobiography. Was. I know it's not sport, but I have an unused Live Aid ticket. Would like to know if it has any value. Now, the auction is not here anymore, gone. but we can value things. What would, you, what would you pay for it, Max? Uh, £8.50. OK, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at more than a tenner. OK, mine. So, yeah, so we'll do £10. If anyone wants anything <laughs> valued by me and Charlie, no professional yeah. uh, valuation skills, but we'll just, we'll just it, go off gut feel. Speaking of being nice and being a world beater, yeah. of course, Bobby Bergleson was up there. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. he really, yeah. really was. And uh, Griff's been in my... Griff <laughs> in King's Lynn has said his dad went to school with Bobby Bergleton. We have so. time to play out my wife trying to guess England footballers. It yeah. is quite a funny too. sure we'll have time later We'll on. find that. I'll say, you can go and dig that out uh, from my Instagram or Twitter and we can play my wife trying to guess the England 1966 World Cup winning team from pictures. Now, Charlie, this yeah. is a big moment for you. Well, it's you another know. idea for Charlie Baker and it could be a soaring success. You know, I like to come up with things to do on the radio, Max. Yeah. Good well, fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's and, great uh, fun, yeah. I like to live pilot them now and again and it's we're going to try that here. And but also, yeah. if it's good, great. And if it isn't, if it doesn't matter. Hey, it's all right. we've all, all, we've all, all had fun. And we'll, we, we'll so. all have learned from it. People are at the start of something big or never to be heard again. This is Autobiography Wars. It's Autobiography Wars, Max. Okay. And in this first ever episode of Autobiography Wars... Yes. It is a man who has five First Division titles, three FA Cups, five League Cups, two European Cups, and the best tash and thigh combination ever seen in British football. Verse, that's Ian Rush. Okay. Versus yes. host of the Generation Game, you bet, play your cards right and strictly, and is the Guinness World Record holder for longest career as an entertainer, that is Sir Bruce Forsyth. Right, okay. May he rest in peace. Yes. This is how it works. It's auto. It's autobiography wars. Wow, two two sets of intro yeah. music. Yeah. Sometimes people might think, you know, sometimes if you if you really if you big up the production too around much something, production, it's like it's a thin idea. As in, yeah, there's there's more production than content, well, but that's fine. We're about to find oh, out. Okay, right. How does the game work? Okay, Max, I've got a random number generator on okay. my phone. I just say my Bruce Forsyth autobiography. I opened the front cover and it says, For my darling Donald. Oh, yeah. At Easter, a massive congratulations for your ongoing success. Yeah. Well done. You, I can't read that word. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Love you so much. John. Don. Who's that? It's me and my wife would call each other Don. Do you? It's just how it works. You call it's your up. wife Donald yes. and she calls you Donald? Yes. Okay, is that pre-Trump? The, uh, when, pre, we met, pre, when we met the Talk United manager was yeah. Don O'Riordan. Right, and we okay. called each other Don. Okay. 
stuck, Max. That's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little insight as well. well. That's what you get in Autobiography Wars. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. So, okay, right. I've got a random number generator. Oh. It's set between 1 and 380. Right. In my book, there are 390... No, there's 407 pages in my book, but Do how many... Do you know what? 406. There we are. So I should have got... Oh, so I'll, they're I'll level change, Russian... I'll change that to 406. Okay, that right, fine. Ask, okay? fine. Okay. And so that is the number of pages in the book. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to generate a random number. We okay. will then both flick to that page okay. in the book. Okay. We will read out a paragraph from the autobiography. Yes. Whoever has the best story yeah. in the autobiography, decided by us, yes. I think it will become clear is the winner of that round. It is the best of three, Max. Okay, best of three, First right? of three right. or best okay. of three? Okay. We haven't decided best yet. Best of three, I think best okay. of three. Let's generate the first number in Autobiography Wars. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> Toby says, how do you value my time for three hours listening to you two? Talk absolute bleep. Thank you, Toby. There we are. Uh, 250, Max. Page 250. Quite late on in the career, isn't it? 250. Mm-hmm. Wonder what, he, I wonder yeah. if Ian Rush had retired by page 250. Yeah. Which paragraph do I choose? Well, it's up to you, but you sort of have to just, just sort of jump in. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Ian Rush first. Okay. Rush v. Forsyth. I've, I've just gone in sort of middle of the uh, middle of the page. There's some breaking sports news. Is it important enough to stop it right now? Do it right now? Oh, not, not, not yet. Okay. All right. Here okay. we go. Our season opened with the visit of Arsenal. Okay. After a hesitant 30 minutes, we settled down and began to play with purpose and style. Goals from Ronnie, and I'm assuming that's Ronnie Rosenthal, Ronnie and Steve Nichol gave us the perfect start to the new campaign. The cop was in good voice. Bruce Grobbler made two superb saves, but also caused a few hearts to thump when instead of clearing his lines, he decided, decided to dribble the ball. I wouldn't say past who, and only just got away with it. It was business as usual. Okay, that's yours, is it? That's it. Okay. Bruce Forsyth, page 250. I've gone for paragraph three. As will already be clear, since leaving the Generation Game in 1977, my relationship with the British press had become increasingly strained. Until then, I'd always regarded dealing with them as part of my job. Sure, they can write reviews and articles about you that if you don't like, but at the same time, we all make sure we use the best from reviews to publicise our shows. Things, though, had changed. Too often, I was reading things about me personally and professionally which were simply untrue, completely made up, and rightly or wrongly, I was beginning to think they were deliberately out to get me. I had therefore decided not to bother with a press conference for the British press before my opening on Broadway. There was terrific interest in it with countless requests for interviews, and I was eventually persuaded by my agent, Billy Marsh, to bury the hatchet and see them with hindsight. I don't know why I bothered. I think that's a win for Bruce. Yeah, I think so. Because Ian's was just a... Pretty boring Just game, a, isn't it? A, a, okay. get a roundup. Um, we are playing autobiography wars. Um, We're playing autobiography wars. Yeah. It's splitting the nation. Uh, okay. Bobby says, it's taken three years of listening to you. You finally made me laugh. Uh, Richard says, congratulations on the worst bit of radio ever. A truly momentous moment. Oh, okay. Um, here one, we go. One all on the reviews. <laughs> here we go. Okay, Max, that's it. One, one nil to Bruce Forsyth okay, at yeah. the moment yeah, over okay. Ian Rush okay. in Autobiography Wars. Let's go generate a new number. Yes. And it's always oh, three late again. 341. Okay. Goodness me. <clears throat> this could be it. This could be all over. Forsyth gets this one. They've okay. won. Okay, fine. Do you want to go first then? Yeah. Okay, uh, okay I'm in. We didn't beat Luton. <laughs> That's a great start. We lost 3-1 to a team which, under different circumstances, we would have beaten out of sight. 
We then went on to lose a critical League Cup against Arsenal and the FA Cup replay against Everton. But pains to point out, these defeats had nothing at all to do with Ronnie and his capacity of caretaker boss. It was all down to us players. The spark that had been so evident in our play had been dimmed. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, Ronnie Whelan, not Rosenthal. Oh, uh, oh right. Okay. I didn't know. Oh, yes, mistake. of course. Yeah, yes, huge uh, mistake. Uh, I've Baker. not actually read the book. <laughs> Hashtag so. Baker out. Here we go. <clears throat> Base 341. Bruce Forsyth. There was a new direction in my life, and my beautiful wife and brand new baby son were a very important part of it. I had changed. I was feeling far more relaxed and easygoing. There was a time when, if I'd been asked to name the most important things in my life, the word work would have taken the top five places. It had to be that way if I was to stay at the top. After all, it's far too competitive, too cutthroat, and too tough a business to go into half-heartedly. But when I met... Will Nelia. Will Nelia. I realised that my life seemed to be all work. I always seemed to be signed up for about 18 months in advance. However, when I started to take some time off, I wasn't bored. I was really enjoying myself. Mm. There were so many other things to do. <laughs> what do you think, Max? I think Bruce has given us a heartfelt mm-hmm. love letter to his wife. Yeah. He's chosen her over work. I think that's an, a, rather than just a 3-1 defeat to Luton... Mm. I think it was another goal for Bruce Horsell. I think that's it. Final score. 2-0. Is it winner stays on? It's winner stays on. <laughs> Perhaps we'll pick it up Saturday. <laughs> Fine, yeah, I'm in. Uh, Bruce Forsyth v Andre Agassi this Saturday. Oh, massive. Forsyth v Agassi. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Good afternoon. You're listening to Hawksby and Jacobs on TalkSport. Max Rushton and Charlie Baker with you until four. Uh, let's talk to uh, sports psychotherapist Gary Bloom, uh, TalkSport presenter as well, about um, what it takes to be an elite athlete. Gary, how are you doing? Great, good to speak to you, Max and Charlie. How yeah, you yeah, really good. Thanks, thanks for coming on. We've both been watching the Last Dance. I don't know if you've if, if you've watched any of it or not, and it's all about Michael Jordan. And there are lots of stories about you know whether it's a, a true reflection of that whole era because it had to be passed by Michael Jordan. You know, he had editorial sign off. Whether it's a documentary or hagiography or not, but but what does come out from it is what what it takes to be the absolute best and what it is like if you are better than everyone around you and they don't necessarily work as hard as you do and I suppose the ultimate question Gary is can you be kind and nice (laughs) and be an absolute elite sports person well thank you very much yes I have been watching the series I've got a couple of episodes of it I mean it's really interesting 
uh, as a psychotherapist and a sports psychotherapist to just watch it. To answer your question, yes, I think it, it, you can be. Um, you can be kind and nice, maybe not those words, empathic maybe I would probably use instead, thoughtful, respectful of your teammates. I think that creates a better team ethos. I'm not sure kind would be the words that I would be looking for, but more have a deeper understanding of the flaws and weaknesses of your teammates, but also their strengths too. And I suppose it is so, I mean, I find it's, it's such a fascinating um, program last night and he's a fascinating character and I, I mm. it just must be very very hard and I don't know how how you manage at that level if you are right at the top how you manage to have any sort of normal existence because mm. there are so many people around you there's so many hangers on there are so many people wanting to sponsor you for things or give you things there's so much pressure on you as well like to perform you know like but like then a- he goes on and he's cashing he's, he's cashing the checks in front of everybody he's, he's saying I'm going to do this and he does it yeah. and, he, and he does score in the last second uh, every single flipping game he plays <laughs> to win the game it's absolutely unreal yeah but uh, yes and I'm pleased I think I'm in any way denigrating the quality of, of Michael Jordan he's, he was an exceptional athlete but let me ask you this question how would he have been as such an outstanding performer had he not and this is what came out in the documentary had he not had Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman playing mm-hmm. alongside him. And that is really the key for me, is that you, if you want to be the best, if you want to play in a team, and remember, the Chicago Bulls are a team. He's not a golfer. He's not a, he's not a tennis player. He's a part of a team. And take Rodman away, and take Scotty Pippen away. And I think in episode two, you saw what happened when Scotty Pippen uh, took a uh, time out to yeah. take his surgery. The, the, you know, the, uh, the fortunes of the team were not as strong. So even how brilliant Michael Jordan was without his lieutenants, the people just beneath him, the people who fed him the ball in the right areas, how good a player was he? Yeah, what, what his attitude seems to be is when somebody new comes onto the team to, to join this amazing unit that the Chicago Bulls were in, in the 90s, that he starts chipping away at them, chip, 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 constantly pushing their buttons because in, in his mind, he's toughening them up for when the season starts, really. But some people do see that as, as a, a form of bullying. Well, Charlie, you make a great point. The question that comes into my mind when you say that to me is, was that his job? Where was it put in his contract Mm. that that was his job to, as you call it, toughen, chip away? Where was the coach's job? Wasn't that the coach's job to psychologically prepare his team? Uh, Phil Jackson was the coach. Mm. Uh, Wasn't that his job? Or where was the sports psychologist with the Chicago Bulls? Well, the answer was they never employed one. That's the most extraordinary thing about that team in 97, 98. There was no sports psychologist working with them. What was the role of the coach? And why wasn't he preparing the team in terms of either recruitment? What were the recruitment people doing? Were they recruiting the suitable players to fit into the Chicago Bulls at that time? Why was it Michael Jordan's job to do that? I'm not sure it was. Mm. Once you move across to your different roles, as you know yourself, you know, in any organization, including TalkSport, when people jump outside their roles and assume an authority that they've not technically been given, things can fall apart. That I should stop telling Charlie on air when I don't like his ideas. (laughs) Is is that what you're saying? (laughs) But what's what's interesting is that actually Phil Jackson is, is credited with 
with explaining to Michael Jordan that he is part of a team. There's one, you know, there was one game, I think their first championship game where mm. it, it, another player is constantly free and and he says, the triangles, give the ball yeah, yeah, give yeah. the ball to him and and Jordan realizes that which is actually an amazing skill for a coach isn't it and and I suppose part of what you find from that documentary is how a, a coach has to treat different players differently and you know Rodman's allowed to go to Las Vegas for a couple of days and mm. and that in itself is very walker, difficult yeah, isn't yeah. it because you know you've got all these people saying you're treating him differently to me and him differently to me and and that can unravel i guess unless you're incredibly successful yeah i think i think this some of the work i i do in in my work is to try and work out what is the relationship between in my case a football manager and his on the field lieutenants and can he get information to them and can they implement that information and do the rest of the team allow the on the field influences to influence now if all that's working perfectly you would get what i would call a perfect storm and i'd say the best team who i can think of in terms of a football club who would be successful that would be liverpool the Klopp's message gets onto the field jordan henderson drives the team forward and the players respect him then it works if you haven't got the on the field authority then it can break down jordan did have the on the court authority to do what he did because of his outrageous success and his outrageous talent. And there's a the, the bullying element is interesting and it and it's it, it's a slightly different situation but it you know you see it in a lot of sports in a relationship between a coach and a player or the mm. coach and an athlete as to at what point is you know you've got to push somebody if if you want somebody to get to an absolute elite level they obviously need to be pushed because everyone else is being pushed. And where is that line? And that's possibly an impossible question to answer. I don't know. Of where the line is between pushing someone to their extreme and going over that line. I mean, we've seen it in cycling. We've seen it in gymnastics. And we've seen it in football as well. So where does that pressure come from, I think, is, is, is the question that really needs answering. If the player, the athlete, the individual does not have the self-regulation to want to reach new standards, new heights that culturally exist around him, then there is a problem. And all the bullying and chipping away and bantering is not going to make that player play to the point that he should be playing because he can't get there himself. The question of where is bullying and where is what's the difference between bullying and chipping away, once you have a power difference, e.g. once your boss, once the person in charge of you is bullying you, or telling you something and belittling you, because there's a power imbalance, he's in charge of you, that's bullying. If you guys are on the equal, you're level with somebody, Somebody, I don't think that's bullying. Now, this opens up a different can of worms, because you could argue, what is, if Jordan was a teammate of the pe- people he was trying to encourage to play better, was that an equality, or was he somehow mm-hmm. elevated above them? And that, uh, I wonder if that's to do as well why great players like Michael Jordan, who's got it naturally, it comes to him so easily that he can't understand why other people can't do it. And, and that's why a lot of the time that the great players don't become great coaches, isn't it? Because they don't know how to tell somebody to do it because it just becomes, comes naturally to them. It goes back to my comment earlier on in this, in this conversation mm. that not everybody can be a, a Michael Jordan in the team. Not, yeah. only, not everybody can be a centre-forward. Not everybody can be the goal-kicker in, in a rugby team and win games. We all have different roles in that team. Yeah. And you have to understand, and this is something I hear time and time again, you're only as good as the weakest link in your team. 
if your weakest link is weak, is, is is really weak, you're not going to win. Um, finally, and uh, this isn't necessarily an easy question. Oh. Uh, and the more, no, but the more time that I've spent in and around sport and near sports people and ex-pros and current pros, it seems to me professional sport is definitely not the easiest path to happiness. And, and, and I sort of, you sort of see that, and you do see some of those guys in the last dance seem pretty grounded and mm. comfortable with who they are, but it doesn't seem, you know, we all yeah. grow up thinking, I really want to be a footballer, and I, I'll be brutally honest, like the more time I've spent in it, the, the gladder I am that I wasn't good enough at, at football. I mean, you make a good point, and that widens out the whole question to what it takes to be a professional sports person. And that's really what my job is inside the football club, is to help people who might find it difficult at certain times in their careers to give them a helping hand. We all need a helping hand. And if you're playing in front of thousands of people, if you're a basketball player or a football player, whatever it is, you do need that support at some times because your, your career path in professional sport, just like any career, is not a linear line. It mm. dips and swerves and you have injuries and all sorts of things, loss of form. So you, that's why sports psychotherapy, if I'm going to wave that flag, is so important to support people at the right time and recognise their struggling. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Don't ask me. All right, Charlie, you got one minute for this, okay? okay. For 13th of April, 2020. In the first oh, yeah. hour of the show, we had some breaking news. A Premier League club made a U-turn on their decision to furlough their non-playing staff. Which club was it? Tottenham Hotspur. Correct. Uh, we played Roll Your Own Football. Arsenal hosted Wolves. Mm. Adrian Clark represented Arsenal. Who represented Wolves? Matt Murray. Correct. Oh. Um, uh, did we play EFL by dice? No. Yes, we did. Oh. Yes, no question. Ridiculous. Who played uh, against Tim the Truth Vine in the original Trust Darts? Oh, uh, Chris Washington. Chris the Whitewash Washington, yes. And TalkSport's boxing correspondent Gareth A. Davis joined us to talk about Carl Froch calling out which Welsh former two-weight world champion? Uh, Joe Calzaghi. Correct. Pretty Four good. Out of five. Pretty good. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport.